it's Gilbert Gottfried. Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, your go-to podcast on old things mining. Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian, this is Behind Scenes with Brian, and I am joined today by a fellow geotechnical engineer, Mike Henderson of BGC Engineering. Mike, how are you today? Good, how are you doing, Brian? Yeah, doing really well, doing really well, and uh, we're recording this during the pandemic, and hopefully you're holding up as well as could be expected. You know, the, the pandemic actually has, has been interesting from my little perspective of the world. It's actually increased workload. I'm finding I'm doing a lot more because I'm spending less time on airplanes. Oh, yeah, it, <laughs> it certainly has uh, forced some more available time there. That's, that's yep. for darn sure. Yep. And uh, I, I think also the new uh, global tailing standard has created some some new work. Not, I don't think it's a tremendous amount of work yet, but uh, it certainly is going to be a sustainable thing that's going to carry on into the future. I don't think we've seen the impact from the global standard yet. People are trying to digest it and figure out what to do about it. Yeah. But I think that the current flurry of activity actually predates that. Mm. So it's uh, that the impact is yet to come on that, I think. Yeah, it seems like all the tailings consulting firms are pretty busy right now, which is very encouraging. Yeah, they. I think, you know, everybody that I know has been busy for probably two years just mm-hmm. kind of flat out mm-hmm. something like that yeah. Uh, yeah stepping up more and more on on doing reviews and things like that as well as you know the fundamental engineering so design and investigations and things right. so there's a lot more uh, activity around design reviews and, and performance reviews and management reviews and all that than there used to be yeah and that's the primary focus of my uh, new company is just doing different sorts of reviews, whether it's uh, a review board or third parties or, or whatever. That's so far all that I've been doing. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself, your your background, so we get to know you a little better. Okay. Uh, I'm originally from Colorado, grew up on a farm. And I remember, uh, you know, growing up on the farm, leaning on my shovel out in the field, wondering where those people on airplanes were going. And uh, 20 years later, I found out. (laughs) They're all going somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) They're all busy flurrying around. Yeah. But anyway, I grew up on a farm, uh, went to school in Colorado for undergraduate at Colorado State. Uh, Went to work initially at the Climax Mine Hmm. until it uh, closed down in the early 80s. And went to work after that for the Bureau of Mines for about six years doing applied research around mining projects mostly. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, on the east coast oh on the east coast okay i was at the yeah. bureau of mines in denver yeah no i was i was at the the big center in pittsburgh mm-hmm. so i worked there for half a dozen years and then uh kind of had uh, had enough of working for the government and decided yeah. i wanted to uh, 
go back yeah. into consulting. Yeah. So it I was, moved to Nevada. Yeah. Oh. That's okay. where I met you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was it was kind of funny how there was rivalries between the different centers of the Bureau Mines. The yeah, Pittsburgh was the big one, but then there was Twin Cities okay. and uh, Seattle as well. And there was always okay. a bit of a competition. You know. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so no, it was it was it was a really good time. So it, it allowed me to uh, work on my graduate program when I was back there and, ah. and did a master's and worked on my PhD mostly in slurry transportation at that point. Oh, that interesting. You you were probably into that. Yeah, you were probably ahead of the competition on that sort of thing. Yep. Yep. So I went, worked a lot back then with a professor from Mines called Bob Paddock. Mm-hmm. who has since passed away, but he was kind of one of the, the leaders in hydraulic transport. So did that uh, and then got recruited by John Welsh to move to Reno and got settled in there and showed up at the University of Nevada and said, hey, I'd like to finish my PhD. Here I am. And they said, sounds good, but we don't offer a PhD in hydraulics, huh. but we do in geotech. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I'm mostly doing geotechnical engineering anyway, so yeah, I'll do that. So I basically repeated all my coursework for master's PhD in geotech. I've actually, that suited me well during my career because half the problems or projects are water related and half of them are geotech. And so I've actually got a pretty decent background in both. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, And that that must benefit your clients as well since you know Mm -hmm. both sides of that. That's that's really, really good. And so then uh, you you worked for um, Mr. Welsh in Reno for a while, and, and what what happened next? So we we started uh, Welsh Engineering, which became Westec in Reno. Yeah. Uh, so I managed that, and John went off to do mining and and construction stuff, and I stayed with the engineering side. Ultimately, Westec was acquired by Stephen Robertson and Kirsten. Uh, so I stayed there for a while, and then I was recruited actually to be CEO, COO of a civil firm out of Nebraska, and moved to Denver. Did that. Um, that firm, through a bunch of different gyrations, became Vector Engineering in hmm. North America, hmm. and then Vector was acquired by Tetradec. And so I spent in that combination of uh, companies about 15 years doing yeah. that that stint. And then left uh, Tetradec a few years ago, and went to did a short stint with a company out of Alaska, and ended up with uh, BGC, where I'm at today. So I've been with BGC about five or six years, something like that. Oh, time flies when you're having fun. So, yeah. what is the main focus of BGC? So BGC is about 500 people, uh, mostly in Canada, two or three offices in the U.S., and mostly doing geosciences fairly high-end geosciences. So we do about 60% of our work is mining related and 40% is around oil and gas and and doing geologic risks or geohazards. Uh, So for the railroads and the pipelines and stuff like that. But I'm mostly on the mining side and I do, my work is kind of a combination of engineer record work, uh, internal review work and external review boards like you are, Brian. So so I've got a nice balance of those three. I don't think I'd want to do any one of the three full time. So right. it's nice to be able to do a little bit of each. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. It's nice to have a yeah. balance. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, 
You are also the director of the Tailing Center of Excellence. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so that's that's been kind of a uh, evolution or a road trip a little bit. So CSU, as you know, a few years ago, has been doing these classes using uh, industry advisors and so on to teach the classes around tailings management. And because of the increased uh, need for new tailings engineers and, and better training and so on, uh, we at CSU got together and said, uh, why don't we form a, a group with uh, CSU, Mines, and University of Arizona as a coordinated effort to try to step up the, the process, if you will, of training and, and graduate programs and so on. So I was involved initially as the, the external industry person on that internal uh, university board to try to get that going. And then they, uh, late last year, or mid last year, they asked me to step in and actually be the director and, and sort of coordinate between the three universities. So it's been a it's been an interesting thing. It's uh, that's in addition to my day job with BGC. So you know it's kind of uh, balancing all that activity, but it's uh, it's been great. I'm really encouraged about the activity going on, and I think the there's a huge pent up need or going to be a big need that we talked about earlier with trained engineers to move into the tailings world. Uh, you know people are retiring. The demand is only increasing. So the universities really need to step it up and actually ramp up producing more people that are educated in the tailing space that can move in and start having an impact. Right, and it's good to have people with practical experience and knowledge to come in uh, and help the academia to understand what the needs are and where the gaps are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, the people in academia, you know, they most of them, I think, they go get a PhD and they move right into academia, right? So there's right. very few of them that go through the industry and then come into academia. There's a few, but not very many. So they tend to not have the business picture or the need picture of what the industry really needs. So that's the purpose of really me stepping into that role is to, to bring that perspective into the into the universities and try to help with, uh, with external review boards like some of the ones that you're on. Uh, try to guide that whole process and, and figure out how the universities can best meet, meet the needs of the industry through professional development, graduate programs, and research. That's great. So pick one of those topics and just tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. So the, the first one the center is doing is the uh, professional development uh, series of courses that we're going to try to roll out this spring. Those will be basically one credit equivalent courses, short courses that extend over a period of a couple of weeks. People can go on uh, on the web and take the courses. At the end of the six courses, you end up with a certificate from uh, the center, which is all three universities. And basically each one of those six courses has a different topic. It's like siting a tailings facility, inspecting a tailings facility, how to set up uh, monitoring and governance programs and that sort of thing in closure. So all of those together provide sort of a 10,000 foot view of, of the tailings world. So it's not designed to make anyone an expert in soil mechanics or anything like that. It's that program is really designed to give working practitioners a, a really good understanding of what's behind the, what's going on with the tailing space and how best to 
manage that process, if you will. So that's yeah. that's this fall. Okay. Uh, or this spring. Okay. Next fall, we're going to add. We're planning on adding a few more of short courses to that program. Uh, some possibly in risk assessment, uh, a detailed course on doing dam break analysis, those kind of things. In the fall, also we're planning on then taking the next step, which is to offer formal graduate programs to people that want to take graduate courses, either PhD or master's. And the the idea there with the Tailing Center is you could be a student at Arizona and you might look at the curriculum at any one of the three universities and say, I'd really like to take the geochemistry class at Mines and I'd really like to take the uh, hydrogeology class at CSU. And you can do that within the center and get credit back at your home university for you know, your graduate program. So that's that's really the goal. And that's the reason the three universities are partially collaborating on this is no one university provides all of that training that a tailings person needs. Yeah, terrific, terrific. If you can, if you can reach across all three, then you can kind of fit and, and choose your courses to meet your own interest. Yeah, yeah. So is the target audience the mostly the undergrad students currently? For the for the graduate programs, yeah, I would say so. Uh, it's either undergraduates going right into a master's, yeah. or sometimes it's people that have been out of out of school for a few years and, mm. and decide, hey, I want to go back, you know, like you did, Brian, right. go back and get a master's or a PhD, and and then go from there. So that's that's kind of the uh, the intent. Okay. Whereas the professional development courses are really aimed at the, the more mid-tier to senior people that are already out there and, you know, moving into supervisory positions or management or more senior engineering positions and really need to have a good grasp of what's going on with the whole tailings management space. Oh, right. Not to get them uh, enabled to run a, a finite element analysis, but at least to be able to understand the conversation when somebody is discussing it right right and you know one of the things i'm i'm trying to sort of guide the, the program to too at the end or that the master's level say is to use leverage the skills at mines in arizona particularly to try to understand the mining engineering aspects related to tailings or the mineral processing aspects related to tailings because most traditional civil geotechnical programs don't really go into that space. They don't really understand how the tailings got to be tailings. They just pick it up at the end of the pipe and say, well, that's interesting. Now I can take it. And it's really, it's really good from my perspective to understand the whole process because there's things you can do in the mining side or the processing side that influence the outcome of the tailings. And it's good to understand that background and the, the life cycle of the tailings, how it started from ore and became tailings. Um, Absolutely. So kind of anticipate what's going to happen. And no university that I know of does that. So I think, you know, the three universities are pretty uniquely positioned to kind of do that whole life cycle spectrum of tailings. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And yeah, we, we do kind of get in little knowledge silos where we were given the tailings that comes out of the pipeline. And, and like you say, it's a black box from there back to the, the mill and even to the, to the mine itself. Yep, yep. So that's, that's exciting to start putting this all together. The tailing center is, is 
been formed basically from from zero, right? So mm -hmm. there's uh, we're, there's a lot of work to be done to try to figure all this out. The the figuring it out challenge isn't really so much on the technical side; it's the, the financial and administration side and so on to try to get the universities all to work together. And how do you share credits across university platforms? Yeah. How do you, how do you do all that? All that is fairly new. All right. The, the hydrogeology or the geotechnical engineering people have been doing that. It's it's just piecing those pieces together. But right. the other the other the business aspects, if you will, are all brand new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Mike, do you know what the catalyst was that uh, led to the creation of the Center of Excellence? You know, I, I think it's uh, the universities waking up and saying uh, there's a need out there and recognizing there's a need for more more engineering and more engineering capacity and so on. Being influenced by the industry, coming to them and say, hey, we, we need to hire more tailings engineers out of school. Who do you have? Uh, and looking at some of the other university efforts that are going on around the world, you know, in Australia and Canada in particular, uh, those two countries are trying to, they've already set up these sort of centers, if you will, mm -hmm. and trying to increase the number of trained engineers. And, and so the, U, the U.S. is doing the same thing, uh, maybe on a, a little bigger scale with these three universities because they're bigger than the Canadian and, and Australian equivalent. But it's kind of the same idea. Right. No, that's that's terrific. And there is uh, a kind of a generation gap too in the tailings world the mining being cyclic in nature some people get out of the industry and go somewhere else while we're on a down cycle and it's kind of forced uh about a maybe a 10 or 15 year gap of personnel um that provide these kind of services so Hopefully we can fill that gap with with the new students that are getting educated through systems like this. Yep. As you as you remember, back in the late eighties, early nineties, the environmental world was going crazy, you know, so yeah. pathways, facilities and all that, and landfills and and all that kind of stuff. And mining was in kind of in a slump. So a lot of people either never went into mining or got out of mining and went into the environmental sector, which was going to just skyrocket to the moon back then, um, you know, and those every business cycle cycles. So, you know, eventually those slowed down. But we've we've lived you and I have lived with a gap in in uh, trained people that are now in their 50s, I guess, uh, right behind us that just simply aren't there. They're not in the industry in any yeah. large, large numbers. So you've got more junior people in their 20s, 30s, 40s. And then you've got you know people like us at the end of our career coming up to the end of our career and people past the end of our career, you know, the people more senior to us that are yeah, out right, there. Right. But there's that gap right behind us that you can't wish away. It's not going to go away. So you just have to train the 40 years old, 40 year olds, if you can, uh, to more rapidly step into that senior management role and kind of move on. And the other, the other challenge I, I think about all the time is, you know, the review board stuff. I mean, you and I are doing review board things, yeah. but you know, we're a generation behind the people that I look at as being mm -hmm. the gods of the industry. They were right. And those people are, you know, they're going to, they're going to retire or be forced to retire or just sort of fade away here in the next few years. 
And, you know, I guess we're going to be faced with stepping into their shoes, then who steps into ours with that gap right behind us. So I think all of that has to, to kind of be thought through and, and be thoughtfully programmed. And then the, the junior engineers, the engineers come out of school, you know, with a, with a degree and ready to start, uh, that number needs to swing way up just to meet the current need of the global standard and the, all the different regulations and the, the oversight that's, that's now on tails. For so sure. I think yeah. those, those are the two big needs, I think, is, is replacing review board people and senior people and then feeding the pipeline at the entry. Right, yeah. To me, at a very minimum, it takes a person about 15 years of experience to be able to be an expert. And it doesn't mean that you're an expert with 15 years of experience, but it, it, it isn't sudden. It's not something you can just give somebody a booster shot for and say, okay, now you're, you're ready for the review board kind of work. It does take well, time. You know, I, I, I'm always a little cautious about the putting a number on it, really, like 15 years or whatever. Sure. It could be doing the same thing for 15 years. You know, yeah. One year. Repeated uh, 15 times. 15 yeah. times. Right? Yeah. So yeah. That, that doesn't really help. So I think you know, the, the key is to get a, a wide range of experience mm -hmm. on different sites and different facilities. And, and honestly, to try to, you know, as, as everybody does, try to look at what's failed in the past and understand and learn from that so that you don't repeat the mistakes so that the science is changing, right? Yeah. The science of, uh, you know, right now the hot topic is liquefiable tailings and liquefiable soils. Yeah. Um, people have known that liquefaction potential is out there since I went to school, but it's getting a lot more attention now and, and people are starting to avoid using that in the structural part of dams and so on. And I think that's probably a good move. So, the science is changing, and and, and the uh, but what's what's also changing is the regulatory drivers behind all of that. Whether you call it regulations from government agencies or quasi regulations from the global tailing standard and things like that, it's still you know that the the goal is better management and better oversight and better engineering and so on, as opposed to uh, the science itself, if you will. It's the processes around the science. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 I like that. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So is, is there going to be another stage of development for the Tailing Center of Excellence? Or do you think the, the goal is to carry on with this type of educational program? You know, I, I think the, the, the stage of, of uh, aging, if you will, or development of the Tailing Center is step one is these professional development courses yeah step two is the graduate program and step three then is uh getting more and more serious about applied and basic research so it's those three things yeah. the graduate programs combined with the research program will start producing professors that can can then keep things kind of going so, you know, you need, we need people to go into the industry with graduate programs, but you also need people to stay behind at the universities or come back to the universities and then teach and sort of perpetuate the process, if you will. So that's, that's the, the vision, I think, for the Tailing Center. And then down the road, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tailing Center doesn't expand and include more universities that are interested in participating and getting involved. 
I mean, these are the first three. It's not the only three. Yeah, that's great. That's a good idea, and that hadn't occurred to me. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's probably another handful of universities that would be uh, really great to have in that mix. Well, there, there is another another group out there that we're closely coordinating with, Tailing, and that's mm -hmm. Georgia Tech, Illinois, and Berkeley. Yeah. And we're working closely with those guys. Their their vision historically has been slightly different than than this one. Uh, the the fundamental purpose of the, the center itself is education. The fundamental purpose of Tail Eng historically has been uh, research. Mm. So that we're kind of working with them on that. Uh, but eventually, I think they'll move more into to training and education, and we'll move more into research. So it'll kind of come together. I don't see there being a big competition out there i think there's plenty of work and plenty of interest from people to do it so i don't you know i don't think universities are going to compete with each other as much as work together yeah that's that's, that's terrific cool. that's terrific yeah and, and and when you consider that we've got really good conference series like the tailings mine waste and the mine closure and uh paste thickened and filtered tailings there's there's a lot of good educational opportunities out there um, that the tailings and mine waste was just uh, a short while ago, and those videos are available online. Uh, some always some really good content in that. So I th I think uh, the tailings center of excellence is something that's a really formalized and structured version of some of the content that's just kind of floating out there, whether it's in a conference or. Uh, mm -hmm. internal training courses so it, it's it's probably even overdue but it's nice that it's coming to fruition yeah i think so too and there you're right i'm i'm really proud of tailings and mine waste it's come a long way and, and yeah that's a good example it started at csu yeah and uh you know when it sort of restarted 10 or 12 years ago um, we re reached out and asked uh, University of British Columbia and University of Alberta if they wanted to participate. And that's been hugely successful to get those other two universities involved and, and kind of rotate the conference around. And, and it's gotten a lot more activity, a lot more attendees, a lot more great papers. So it's been really good. A lot of the, the technical content in the tailings world in the last 30 years really has been in those proceedings much more so than any textbook because up until the recent effort with SME to develop a tailings textbook, the last one was Steve Vick's book back in the late 80s, early right. 90s, which right. has been way outdated almost from the time it was published. So Sure. There's still some excellent content in there and, and people should be yeah. encouraged to read that. I, I read it from cover to cover and there's a lot of good stuff. But like you say, there there's some of it that uh, is dated almost but it's still a really good resource. But this is, yeah, got to agree it's, with. It provides a really good uh, fundamental basis, yeah. I think, that textbook. Yeah. And it, you know, and it stood the test of time, right? It's 40 years old or whatever it is now mm -hmm. and still being used as a reference. So it's, uh, Steve did a great job with that. Yeah. I, I can't believe that he was able to sit down and actually crank that all through, but he did. <laughs> yeah, um, like. So it's like, been a good, good thing. Yeah. yeah like like all uh things like that it was definitely a work of love it was something that he had to be passionate about and yeah you know 
thankfully we've got people like Steve Vick that put all of their heart and passion and sweat and sleepless nights into things like that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Mike, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there any uh, parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with us? You know, I, I guess uh, just to throw out there, if anybody's interested listening to this to either pay attention to what the center's doing, we have a website or get involved with the center, take classes, offer to teach if you're at that level or whatever. We're looking for participation. So I think that's, uh, you know, the, the door is open for people. And there has been a lot of interest from people to, to get more involved and to help out. So I think, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. No one wants problems in the tailings industry. Everybody fundamentally wants the same thing. Reduce risk, better engineering, more sustainable development, design for closure, all those kind of things. So I think, you know, it's we're all kind of rowing in the same direction. If you right. Know, right. Good thing. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, Mike, I appreciate your time today. I know you are at the office. So I'll let you get back to work. And, and I really thank you for coming on. And I, I have this podcast in part to make me smarter. And, and with each podcast episode, I do get a little smarter. And it's always enjoyable. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Good talking yeah. to you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, thanks, All Mike. Right. See ya. All right. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.